Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. This morning, <clears throat> turn uh, to 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 3. I'm, I'm going to read it now, but I'm going to come back to it uh, a little later in the message. And uh, so here's what Peter says about the resurrection. Praise be to God and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're going to unpack that a little later in the message, but I just wanted to read that at the very beginning. So my message is Sunday is coming, and I want to talk about that in just a moment. So I want to take you back a couple of thousand years It's Passover week in Jerusalem. Thousands of people from all over Israel, Palestine, they come for this religious observance. So just as a reminder, Passover is an eight-day celebration or festival. It was celebrated in the early spring of every year. It was an annual reminder of the miraculous release of the Egyptians from the No, that's wrong. I got it backwards. I got it backwards. Actually, I was just testing you this morning. I was just testing you. All right, you got it. You got it. Uh, The miraculous release of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. So Passover was that annual reminder. And they, they celebrated different ways. They would have, you know, they had special foods that they, that they ate. They had uh, uh, the retelling of the Passover story. They had the sacrifice of the Passover lamb later in the week. So this Passover, it looked like every other Passover. They've been doing this for thousands of years. There were crowds that were there. Uh, There were vendors as well. I mean, it was spiritual, but it also kind of had a commercial, you know, commercial feel to it as well. But even though they had done it for thousands of years, this Passover was different. There was something different about this Passover. Something was in the air. It was imperceivable to most people, but definitely there was something different about this Passover celebration. It was even different with Jesus. Jesus had done this, you know, his whole life. Every every year he'd come into Jerusalem for Passover, but this was a little different. He was more somber He was more introspective. He was more transparent. Uh, He had always, in his adult ministry, he had always talked about his death. But now it's it's occurring with greater frequency. And there's just this sense that that something is imminent. Something is in the air. So in this message today, excuse me, I want to look at Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and just how it affected different people, you know, in Jerusalem over these particular days. 
Now, Friday, I'm going to call it Chaotic Friday, all right? Anybody ever had one of those kind of days and seasons of your life? Nothing goes right. Watch this. Hey, she bought him the Nerf gun. Don't get on tr- don't get on the children. <clears throat> this is why you should not have cats in your house. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Bad start. Bad start. This is why I don't help Becky around the house. This guy came in, just wanted to put a few extra hours on a Saturday, just trying to help his boss be a blessing to his company. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not done. You shouldn't drink and drive, and this is why. If you have a 16-year-old and your learner's permit, this is in your future. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. The laws of physics will get you every time. That's chaotic Friday. Anybody been in a chaotic season before? Everything's up and down, uncertain. I'm kind of in that myself. My middle daughter's getting married. You know, there's all these secret meetings that go on with my family that I'm not invited to, you know. The only thing that I'm invited to is the Google calendar when the payments are due. That's the only thing I've gotten. My life has been different since that engagement. But, but Friday, <clears throat> Friday in Jerusalem, it was a little different for different people. Let's start with Peter. Peter starts his life as a, <clears throat> a rough, temperamental, commercial fisherman. This was not recreational. This was his livelihood, his business. And the first time that he interacts and comes across Jesus, Jesus takes the fact that he is a fisherman and he uses it and he says to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the scripture says immediately Peter Peter left and followed him. There was something that just jumped in the heart of, of Peter. And I want to tell you, when you hear this wonderful message of the gospel, it has the potential to absolutely change your life. So Peter starts <clears throat> this unbelievable journey with Jesus. He's a witness to these miracles and the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> And he's uh, miracles and healings, and he's impacted personally by the teachings of Jesus. Well, it's Passover week, and Peter's excited because this was a wonderful spiritual annual celebration. So he walks in to Jerusalem on Sunday with Jesus, and man, there was an unbelievable response. It's Palm Sunday. Thousands of people are lining the city. Peter is shocked about what he's seeing and witnessing. People with palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's what they were shouting. Man, this is going to be the best Passover. 
He goes the next day to the temple with Jesus to worship. And they get to the outer courtyard, and Jesus sees some things that he doesn't like. Man, there are vendors, and they're selling, selling things. And he begins to turn over the tables, and he takes whips, and he runs those money changers out of the temple. And he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You have made it a den of thieves. The next day, they go to the temple to worship. It's Wednesday, and Peter makes a comment. He said, would you look at this temple, the temple of Solomon, how beautiful it is. And Peter says, I mean, Jesus says, you know what? It won't be long, and every stone in this temple will be overturned. Peter was shocked, and he said this great prophecy, Lord, tell us when were these things? What is the sign of the coming and the end of the world? And Jesus spends spends time talking to him about the events of the last days. That's Wednesday, but Thursday is the Passover meal. He's excited because Thursday night he gets to share the Passover meal. They read the story of, of deliverance, but he gets to spend it with Jesus. So they gather at the Passover meal, and I told you Jesus is thinking and he's acting completely different. So this Passover meal, it doesn't even start like the other ones did because Jesus is washing people's, the disciples' feet as, he, as, they, as they are coming in the, the room. And he's saying, man, as I wash feet, you should wash uh, others' feet as well. While they're eating dinner, Jesus announces that one of those disciples is going to betray him. And Peter Peter, in this bold statement, says, Lord, I will follow you to prison or death. And Jesus shocks him and said, you won't even be following me when the sun comes up in the morning. You're going to deny me. Peter's blown away by that. He can't believe what he hears. But now you know the story. They go out to the garden to pray uh, in in an hour or two. And this is Peter's chaotic Friday because when the Roman soldiers come to arrest Jesus, man, Peter, you know, he cuts off the servant's ear and then he runs and and, and he flees. He flees the scene. All right. He's afraid, he's fearful, and he, and he runs away. And then his chaotic Friday is over the next few hours, he denies the Lord three different times. He curses, uses profanity. I do not know him. I'm not going to give you that part of that. You just kind of know what was said. He denied the Lord. He denied that he, he ever knew him at all. Three times he curses him. He runs away in fear, shame, and embarrassment. He's not mentioned as some of the other disciples are during the trials of Jesus. He's not mentioned as some of the others are at the cross of Jesus. Peter, Peter's gone. He's, he's run away. What can we learn from Peter's story, his chaotic Friday? We can learn that Peter failed the Lord and struggled with the shame of his failure. He had lived his life for God, everything that he had known over the past several years, he had given to the Lord. But man, in this moment, he had blown it. He had messed up. He had screwed up everything he had lived for up to that moment. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Have you ever failed God? Is there something that you knew better? You made a poor decision. You didn't think it through, and now you failed the Lord. Not only did you fail the Lord, but you ran, you fled, and now you live in the shadow of your failure. 
You would love to take the next step and move beyond, but that, that prison of shame and embarrassment just keeps you where you're at. That's Peter's chaotic Friday. Let's look at Pilate. Pilate had served as the governor of, of uh, Palestine for 10 years. So he's, he's a part of the Roman government. So they had different assignments, different places that you serve, kind of like the military. So you want, and, and Palestine was not a prime place, you know, wasn't a, a, a prime location of service. It's kind of like you want to be stationed in Hawaii, but you get Apalachicola. It's kind of like that. No, no offense to Apalachicola. All right. So he's assigned there. He's been there 10 years. And this is a very complicated assignment because of the potential and the continual insurrection that was coming, you know, from those in Palestine. Caesar in Rome was keeping, out, keeping an eye on Pilate to make sure that he ensured the peace. But also... Pilate had 700,000 Jews to make happy as well. So he gave them a little autonomy, let them handle some of their own religious things and some legal, some minor legal autonomy. He gave it to the Sanhedrin, if you've ever heard that, that term before. But he really ticked off the Jews because he took money that was designated for the temple treasury, the operation of the temple, and he built an aqueduct a public works project. So Caesar was happy, but the Jews were very irritated because he had defunded the temple, so he's kind of caught in the middle. So Pilate's chaotic Friday begins with this. Early on Friday morning, the scriptures say the Sanhedrin bring uh, Jesus to Pilate early on Friday morning. Now, Pilate thinks he's refereeing kind of an internal Jewish, you know, uh, dispute, and he has little interest to be involved in this until the Jews say, we want to crucify him. They did not have the legal right to crucify on their own, so it involved Pilate and a little more due process before anyone uh, could be executed. So, Pilate he calls for a private meeting with Jesus to kind of assess the situation. Jesus is not very responsive. If you remember in some of those readings, doesn't really say a lot. So Pilate makes the determination, as long as he's not talking about insurrection, I don't care if he talks about salvation and the Messiah. That's just a Jewish thing. As long as we're not talking, you know, insurrection against Rome, he's good. So Pilate puts a purple robe upon him. They make fun of him, but Pilate declares the innocence of Jesus. All right, so Pilate thinks he's done dealing with Jesus, but three more times Pi uh, Jesus comes back into Pilate's life. Can I tell you this morning that you can run from Jesus and you can hide from Jesus, but he's always going to find his way back in your life. And he does that to Pilate. Jesus comes back. Pilate says, let's do this. How about let's take Barabbas and let's take Jesus. And I'm sure that the crowd would choose Jesus over this insurrectionist, but they don't. They choose Barabbas. 
Pilate is frustrated on his chaotic Friday. So Pilate has him flogged. He's beaten 39 times. They put a a twisted crown of thorns on his head. The purple robe. They all make fun of him. Hail the king of the Jews. But Pilate says to them, I want you to know that I think he's innocent. I don't see any reason why we should crucify him. But the crowd again shouts, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate makes a a very uh, unusual statement. He said, you take him and crucify him, but I don't find any basis for the charge against him. He even has someone bring a bowl of water out, if you remember the story, and he washes his hands and he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. He is your responsibility. All right, so what can we learn from Pilate on his chaotic Friday? We can learn that Pilate was morally compromised. He lived his life for the approval of others or out of fear of what others may think for him. John 19 says, Pilate kept trying to set Jesus free, but he never did. He never had the moral courage to do what he felt like was right. So I ask you this morning, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like you have lost your moral compass, your life and your job? Maybe they have confused your values and you're not sure what you believe anymore. Things that you used to believe, ways that you used to live have now changed. Culture, jobs, relationships, relationships, and even money, they've changed you, who you are. You don't even know who you are anymore, and sometimes you're surprised at your own morals and values when they surface in your life. Also, <clears throat> Pilate was trying to avoid Jesus, never really wanting to deal with who he was. If you look at some of the conversations of Jesus and Pilate, man, it was very intense. It was very emotional. It was very clear, you know, what what Jesus was saying to Pilate about about who he was. And I want to say this, you know, as we can learn this from Pilate, you keep trying to avoid Jesus, but he keeps pushing his way back in your life. Why does he do that? Because he loves you and he cares about you. And, and the sentence that rings out to me about Jesus' life and ministry, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that who is lost. He's looking for you. He's seeking you out. He's coming to save you and bring a message of hope and redemption. And you keep pushing him away. You can keep denying him, avoiding him. I'm not going to go to church so I don't have to be reminded about this message, but let me say to you, at some point in your life, in this life, or the life to come, you will have to stand and answer the question about who Jesus is. You'll 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 have to stand before God one day and give an account for that. The great writer C.S. Lewis, he frames it this way when we're talking about Jesus. He says he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. It's your choice. What's your option? He's a liar, 
It's a, it's a fabrication. It's fables. It's fairy tales. There's nothing historically accurate about his life. It's just fantasy. Or he's a lunatic. This stuff about Messiah and salvation and healing and forgiveness and all of that, that's just crazy talk. Crazy talk. Or, or is he Lord? Or is he Lord? Where, what camp are you in? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? So Pilate, Pilate sends Jesus to be crucified. He's had enough. He sends him, so he, he starts the march to Golgotha and, Cal, and Calvary. So Friday... Friday's an exciting day of Passover. It's the spiritual high point of the week because the sacrificial lamb kind of at noon is, or, or later in the afternoon is being, being sacrificed. So thousands of people would come around for this momentous occasion. And it wasn't just ceremonial. It was very biblical that when that sacrificial lamb was sacrificed, the priest would pray and that God would forgive the sin corporately. I mean, there was a powerful move of God's grace and forgiveness that would move over thousands of people. And everybody is excited about this moment, everyone, unless you were a criminal, because Friday was execution day. We know the story of two people who had been arrested, charged, prosecuted, and sentenced. Let's look at the chaotic Friday of the thieves. They're both crucified with Jesus, one on the left and one on the right. One of the criminals says to Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you, who, if you're who you are, save yourself and save us too. But the other criminal said, hey, don't you fear God? You know, we're, we're punished justly for what we've done, getting what our de de deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. What can we learn from the thieves on the cross? All right. The first thief thought that God exists only to get people out of a jam. That he doesn't require anything from us. He's just, he's just there to kind of help us out when we make poor decisions. And I want to tell you, I talk to a lot of people that kind of have this mindset. They don't want a relationship with Jesus at all. They just want God to remove the consequences of their actions. They just kind of put God on a shelf, and he just stays there until they're in some type of emergency. Then they want to they pull him down, let him do his thing, get him out of trouble, and then place him back on the shelf again. You're not looking for a savior. You're looking for an ambulance driver, an emergency room physician, a crisis counselor. Is that you this morning? Your concept of God is that he only exists to kind of get me out of trouble. Well, I want you to know if that's all you want from Jesus, you are selling yourself short because he does that, but he does so much more. He is my savior. He is my protector. He is my defender. He forgives my sins. He heals my wounds. He directs my life. He answers my prayer. He walks with me through trial. That's what he does. He does so much more than that if you'll give him a chance. And I'm just going to say this too. If you'll live by his word, you may not get in as many jams as well. You may not need him if you just live by God's word. So the first thief was like, hey, get, get me out of a jam. What can we learn from the second thief? He did not live out what he knew about God until he was too late. This is interesting here. Because somewhere, sometime, this thief 
knew about Jesus. He had a really wonderful understanding of justice and sin and forgiveness. Maybe he was one of those that when he fed the 5,000, maybe this young man was there. Or when they, you know, when they, the thousands that, that, that gathered on the Sermon on the Mount, maybe he was there and he heard. Or when they tore the roof off of the, the healing, maybe this man, maybe this man was there. But somewhere he knew, he knew the gospel message. He had a concept of God. Fear God. We're getting what our sins deserve. Listen, he didn't blame other people. You know, that's what people do sometimes. They point fingers. Well, my, the, what, what's happened to me is because of you. This, th- he did not do that. He owned the moment. He, he did not blame others. He owned what he did. His problem was is that he just waited too long. He had, he had this understanding of God, but he chose not to live it out. You, you see him uh, bringing back the principles of faith, but it's way too late. What could his life have been if he lived out what he knew earlier in his life? Now he's on the cross as a thief living in regret, but what he, what he learned never left him. Even at the cross, he's remembering, you know, he's remembering part of the gospel. That was their chaotic Friday. How about Mary Magdalene, her chaotic Friday? Her first appearance in the Bible, the first time that you read about Mary, is when seven demons are cast out of her. She's a completely broken woman at this point. Hopeless, forgotten, destitute, lonely, Filled with a life of shame and regret and embarrassment. She just had a messed up life. Every part of it. Nothing worked out. She was broken. Does that sound familiar? Now listen to me. You may be a visitor here today or kind of new to Generations Church and you look around on this Easter Sunday and you look at this crowd and you go, man, I just wouldn't fit in. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, you know, I don't feel comfortable in church. I could never fit here because of my past. Well, I want to tell you something. Then you don't know the stories of this church. If, if you think if you think you've come to the perfect church here where all the people that go to Generations Church, they all were raised in Sunday school singing the B-I-B-L-E, then you are wrong. There's some characters here I want to tell you, all right? We've got people in this church, they've had addictions, but God has set them free. We've seen people with drug addictions. We've seen people with alcohol addictions who have left that behind because of the grace of God. We've seen people that go to this church. They've been in jail. On the legal record down at the courthouse, their name is listed. But on the Lamb's Book of Life, they have been set free because of what they've done in their past. We've got people in this church, their marriages have broken apart. They, they've made poor choices. They've strayed away from God. But I want to tell you one thing about this church. There are no perfect people here at all. But we come together, different paths, different records, different resumes. But we come on an Easter Sunday morning because we are united by one thing. We have found hope, grace, and forgiveness through the power of Jesus Christ. So look at Mary's Friday. She's had this wonderful experience with Jesus, this life-changing transformation following Jesus. 
And now she sits and she sees him on the cross. The scripture says that she's there. She's named with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's watching him suffer. She's seeing the shame, the bloodshed, the broken body. This is the same. Her mind cannot, can, cannot comprehend that this is the same person that walked on the water and spoke healing. And she's watching his, his, his body become less and less responsive. And he even says, it is finished. And he slumps in death. And when she sees that, part of her dies as well. It, it says in Luke 27 that she can't leave him. That when, once they fix his body, she goes to the tomb while they're putting him in the tomb. And she just watches. She's just close by. She can't process what is happening in, in, her, in her life. Everything she had believed in, trusted, and hoped for has gone. She put her trust in him, and now it's all gone. What is my life now? Does that sound familiar? You ever believed in something, in someone, and then it was gone? It's gone. She's like, what's the, next, what's the next step and phase of my life? So that's a chaotic Friday. Let's look at Silent Saturday for a moment. Now, God had spoken clearly on Friday. I mean, the, the temple was, uh, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The earth was rocked with, a, with an earthquake. The sun was blocked because of the, the clouds in the sky. I mean, all kinds of things had happened. The, the message of the last three years of hope and, and love and forgiveness is now grinding to a halt. And it's now Silent Saturday. Where's God? What's he saying? What is happening in this moment? Jesus' body is lifeless. Nothing is happening. They anoint his body, place it in a tomb, and cover it with a stone. Peter, on Silent Saturday, where is he at? We have no idea. Somewhere in shame and regret and embarrassment, still hiding out, uncertain about what would happen to him. Pilate, on Saturday... Pilate dispatched extra guards to watch the tomb. But outside of that, was he worried? Upset, like, did I make the right decision? Was he upset that he showed no moral courage? Mary, Mary Magdalene, she's just hanging out at the, the tomb. Every time you see that reference, Mary is close by. Nothing on Saturday. God is silent. Have you ever been in a season where God was silent? Have you ever been in a season where you need to hear from the Lord? You, you, need, you need some kind of direction, but, you're, but, but it's silent. The heavens are silent, and you're left waiting and wondering and asking questions. Is God angry? Did I disappoint him? Or you need God to show his hand. There's a problem in your home, your family, your finances, your career, and man, you're just kind of kind of waiting until, you know, and, and things are getting progressively worse during the season of silence, Saturday of silence. Well, questions to ask yourself when God is silent. Do I believe that God is in control of my life in good times and bad? 
All right? So there are times that you walk through things, and there are no situational cues that this season is about to end. There are no markers that are coming that kind of say, hey, this is, this is almost over. So do we believe that God is, is, do we believe that God is in control in good times and in bad times? I just want to remind you, That the God that got you to the good times has not left you in this moment of silence. All right? What about, do I really believe that all things work for the good of those who love him? Do I believe that in the end, all things work together for my good? Listen to me. It's seasons of silence where we grow. God's silence is the greatest test of of, of trust, excuse me, of trust and purpose. When I don't see God's hand, then I've got to trust the last thing that he spoke to me, the last thing that he put in my life. When I don't hear, when it seems like the Bible is brass, when, when I have no perception of when this season will end, God hasn't left. It's a time of trust. It's a time of just knowing that God's work, God's word is working in your life. All right? Now listen, don't perceive God's silence as inactivity. We do that. If I don't hear from God, then he must not be at work. And that would be, in, that would be incorrect. God is always at work in my life, even at times that I don't see or perceive at all. He's never left me. Now let me tell you something about God. He doesn't always tell me what he's doing, and I don't really like that, all right? I feel like I'm a pretty good consultant, all right? Can we, can we talk? Can we have a little conversation here? God's just out doing his thing, but I want to remind you in a season of silence, God never leaves my side, and his work and his purpose in my life never stop, and they never end. So if I am in a season of silence, I'm going to hold my head high, confident that God's hand is upon me, and that God will see me through this season. And until it ends, I'm going to lift my hands in worship, and I'm going to continue to to declare the goodness of God. I'm going to remind myself out of the book of Psalms and of sing songs of deliverance. And I'm going to remind myself that I am not a victim of my circumstances, but I am a victor through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, listen, in times of silence, it's when you begin to hear other voices. You got to be careful. When God is silent, There'll be other voices that will try to emerge in your life and affect this season that is in you. You will hear the voice of failure. You will hear the voice of doubt. You will hear things like God is a liar. God's word works for others, but it doesn't work for you. He has forgotten you. He's left you behind. Who do you think you are to take this great step of faith? You are not called. You're not gifted. You're not going to make it. And I want to tell you, it's in those seasons of silence that you hear other voices. But I want to remind you again, it's in the seasons of silence that we really learn to trust God. That we really learn to trust. Lord, I don't feel it. I don't see it. 
I don't see an end to this. But Lord, I'm trusting you that your promises are still working on my behalf. There's going to be a day that I'm going to understand this. But right now, I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to trust. And I want to tell you, when you live your life just trusting the Lord, you'll never regret that in the end. I promise you that. I promise you that. So there were chaotic Fridays, silent Saturday. But know this, Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. 1 Peter 1 and, and verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So let's just look at that passage for a minute. First of all, Peter, this is Peter that wrote this, that we just have talked about. He's looking back over the course of his life, and he writes this years later, for he's been through all of this. He gives praise to God for what God has done in his life. And he says, in his great mercy... He mentions the mercy of God, this undeserved love, this undeserved favor, undeserved grace. In this great mercy, he's given us a new birth, salvation, forgiveness, a second chance, the transformation of the heart. And he says because of that new birth, it comes through the living hope. It's a living hope. It's not dated. It's not an event. It's living. It's a continual hope. That works now, it brings me hope, and forever. And he says, this comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The greatest message of the gospel is not his healing or his miracles, but it is the resurrection from the dead, because all the New Testament hinges on the physical resurrection of Jesus. It's not just theoretical, it is practical. I want to tell you. I went to church one night, and when I left that night, I was different on the inside. There was a transformation of my heart and my mind. I was a different person. It wasn't a church membership, or I'm just going to try to be a little more moral. There was an absolute transformation and change of my life that came, that came through Jesus. So when I say Sunday is coming this morning... Of course, I'm referring to the darkness of Jesus' death and the power of his resurrection. Of course. But I'm also talking about when joy comes instead of darkness, when healing comes instead of sickness, when anticipation replaces grief, when hope arises instead of depression, when wholeness comes instead of brokenness, when there's a new season of life that emerges out of failure because Sunday is coming. Whatever you need in your life, there is a Sunday that is coming for you. So somewhere early on that Sunday, Satan is looking and he is joyful at the lifeless body of Jesus because he is assuming that God's plan for redemption has been stopped. But somewhere in that tomb, the power of God 
and the promise of God begin to touch the body of Jesus. That heart begin to beat again. Those lungs begin to breathe again. Those hands begin to move again. That body that had laid lifeless for several days, the power of God had raised the body of Jesus even to the point where he folded his grave clothes, which I'm sure his mother was very happy. He's resurrected from the dead. Sunday came. It's the power of the resurrection. That's a reminder to you and I that it's not about human effort and human will. It is about the change and the transformation that can come in a person's life through the power of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Peter. Let's look at Peter on that Sunday. Peter failed the Lord and struggled with the shame of failure. Brent, worship team, you guys can come. Peter thought, that's it for me. I had great hope. I started well, but I'm done. What I was supposed to do is never going to happen because of my mistake. But I want to tell you for Peter, Sunday is coming. There's a new season of life through the hope of Jesus Christ that can emerge out of failure and shame. That morning, the angel said to, to the, to the uh, disciples, go tell the disciples and Peter that what they have heard is true. There was a message that was sent to Peter that God was not through with him yet. I want to say to you this morning, have you failed? Have you known better? You've made poor decisions. I want to say to you this morning, your Sunday is coming too. You are not con consigned to a life of shame and failure and what should have been. But there is new hope through the power of Jesus. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Peter became a leader in the church. He lived in shame. He thought it was over. But he didn't know that there was another chapter that the Lord had for him, that, that the, the failure and the shame that he had was not the ending chapter. There was something else that God wanted to do with his life called Sunday's coming. The thief on the cross, he closed his eyes as an executed criminal. The legal records show his name and his crime. His whole end of life is defined by his behavior and his mistakes. And he, he left this earth thinking he had blown it. He had waited too long. If I had just lived out what I have known, what would have been of my life? It surely wouldn't have been the way that I, that I died. But for that thief and for others that think that way, Sunday is coming. When anticipation for the future replaces regret, there's one little statement that Jesus made to that, to that thief. When that thief said, hey, would you remember me in paradise? Wasn't very theological. Wasn't very deep. You know, it wasn't in the King James English. Just a very simple prayer. And Jesus said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. So that thief breathed his last breath under condemnation. But when he opened his eyes again, he looked upon the glories and the presence of God because that thief was ushered into the power and the presence of God in heaven. Sunday's coming.
Sunday's coming. Is that you? You live a life in regret. I knew better. I should have lived out what I've known. I want to tell you the simple prayer that the thief prayed. Is, was it, it was good enough for him to get into eternity, and it's good enough for you as well. Your life is not defined by your mistakes. There's something else that God wants to do in your life. Sunday's coming for you this morning. I'm telling you. It was Mary, Mary Magdalene, a broken, completely broken woman, hopeless and forgotten, destitute, living a life of shame, regret, and embarrassment. She's shattered. She's confused. Everything that she has known, hoped for, based her life on is now gone. She's hanging out at the tomb. The stones rolled away. She sees what she thinks is the gardener, the scripture says. And she starts telling him what has transpired. But then that person that she was talking to said, Mary called her name. What? That's a voice that sounded familiar to her. It was a voice that she had heard before when he calm the storm. It was a voice that he had heard before when he, when, he, when he healed the sick. It was a familiar voice when he raised the dead. It was a familiar voice when she saw the miraculous happen. And that same voice called her name. And it got her attention. And she said, teacher, teacher. She began to weep. Everything that she thought was gone has now been restored. That hope and hopelessness has been, been replaced with joy. I want to tell you this, moment, this morning, is that you? Messed up, broken, cast off. You're down at the bottom. I want to tell you this morning, your Sunday is coming. He knows your name and your situation as well. <laughs> Isaiah says this. As a promise, he says, fear not, I've redeemed you. I have called your name, and you are mine. You are mine. If you are here today, and you're like Mary, my life is filled with brokenness. I'm a broken person. I need healing, mind, body, and, and soul. I want to tell you this morning that your Sunday is coming as well. He is here to rescue and redeem and restore what the enemy's taken away from you. And here's the promise from Isaiah. They're going to put it on the screen. I love this promise. He says, for those who grieve or mourn, I'm going to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oh, God. He said, I'm going to give you the oil of joy instead of mourning. I'm going to put on you a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And in the next verse, it says, they will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
Because people, they go through different things. Nobody's perfect here. You know, but we go through brokenness. Parts of our lives are shattered. And we're trying to rebuild our lives with the ashes of our burned out past. We're trying to do it duct tape. We're trying to social media. We try to put on a, you know, a persona of something that doesn't exist. So people won't know the brokenness in our life. But he said, don't worry about those ashes. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. He said, I'm going to give you beauty. I'm going to give you something new. Instead of trying to reconstitute the ashes of your brokenness, I'm going to do something new in your life if you'll let me have that opportunity. Instead of being down, some of you, you're, you're hopeless. You haven't smiled. You haven't had joy in a long time. He said, I'm going to do something new in your heart. I'm going to give you joy. And I'm going to take that mourning and that despair away. And I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you a garment of praise. Instead of this heaviness, listen to me. There's going to be a song of the Lord that's going to be returned back to your lips. A song of declaration and a song of faith. And he's going to place that on your tongue instead of that despair that you've been going through. But he says, I'm going to do a work in your life that people are going to look and call you an oaks of righteousness. Instead of looking at you through shame and embarrassment, they're going to look at your life one day and go, look what God has done. Look what God has done. And it won't be your own human effort. It won't be kind of your own human will, just trying to do better, trying to be a little more moral, trying to be just a little bit better person. This is going to be a transformation of the heart and the mind. And you and others around you are going to know that the grace of God is at work in your life. Peter failed. God and lived in the shadow of his shame. Pilate, his morals were turned upside down. He became a new person. You know, his values had changed. He kept avoiding Jesus. Thieves on the cross. One that didn't live out what he knew. He knew what he didn't live out. Mary, she was broken. She was broken. But there was restoration of her life. I just want to tell you, I don't know why you're here this morning. I appreciate, I appreciate you coming. Maybe somebody put a lot of pressure on you to come this morning. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but I'm just glad you're here. But I don't want you just to attend a service this morning. I want you to have an encounter with the Lord. I don't want you just to mark the calendar. Hey, I went to church on Easter. I want you to know that the, the Jesus that Pilate kept sending away and he kept coming back is here to, today. He said, hey, I got a message for you this morning. It's a message of hope and restoration. Will you hear it? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand with me this morning? Everyone pray. Just bow your head for a moment. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord, I thank you for this group of people. 
<clears throat> just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak distinctly and clearly today. Lord, people aren't here randomly. Lord, they are here purposely. Lord, for this moment, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak and move, change and transform. Every head bow, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today, and you would just say, Pastor, hey, I just need prayer today. I got some issues in my life. I got some brokenness in my life. I need some healing in my life. I just need to, and I, maybe I haven't been where I should be with the Lord. I made some mistakes, some things I knew better, and I just, there's some things I need to get right in my life with God this morning. If that's you, just really quick, would you just raise your hand up and down? Just say, would you pray for me this morning? I just need, I just need that. Thank you. Just up and down really quick. I just got some stuff in my life I need to give over to God. I need to make him number one. I've lost focus, priority. I haven't stopped believing in the Lord. But I just, my life is a mess. I just want to say to you. Sunday's coming for you. Your Sunday is today. Your Sunday is today. Worship team, would you sing? Then I'm going to ask you to do something. If you need prayer this morning, I want you to come down to the front. I want you to take a step. Just go, Lord, I, I need prayer. Lord, I need, to, I need some healing. I need some brokenness in my life. I need some healing. Would you come? Would you come? People are going to pray for you. Others from our team are going to come this morning. Just come stand across the front. Kneel if you want to. I want you to have your private moment with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship team. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you come this morning? Would you come this morning? Thank you, Lord. Would you come this morning? Take that step. Take that step this morning. Friday is good because Sunday is coming. If you're in this altar or maybe you're in the congregation and you know you need God's touch, I'm just going to pray over you this morning. So, Lord, I pray. I pray for those in this congregation who are away from you this morning. Lord, they may be like that thief. They've heard the message. They've known the message. But, Lord, they've kind of walked their own way. But this morning they're coming back. They're coming back. The prodigal's coming home this morning. Lord, they feel and sense the Holy Spirit tugging at their heart to reorder, realign their life and, and, and let you be Lord. I pray, God, that you would work that work of grace this morning in their life. God, I pray for those that battle shame and regret. God, I pray a Sunday coming for them. Lord, you're going to take that shame away. You've already taken that. Lord, they're going to walk into their purpose. They're going to walk into their destiny. Lord, I pray. I pray that today. Lord, I pray for those that need healing of the body. Lord, healing of the mind. Lord, I pray. I pray for hope to come instead of depression. I pray wholeness will come instead of brokenness this morning. God, I pray that you'll restore. You'll restore. 
I want to say this this morning. If you need a physical healing in your body, if you're sick in body, I want you to come. We want to pray over you this morning. If you're sick in body, you just need a healing. We want to pray over you. We're going to believe God. He's going to touch your life in every way. Would you just come and stand across the front? Somebody's going to pray over you this morning. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today. If you need a healing, I want you to come. If you need a physical healing, I want you to come. We're going to pray and believe for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you come if you need a physical healing? If you need a physical healing this morning. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord. I I just feel my heart. I want to pray. If you just think you're broken, you're shattered on the inside of your heart, maybe you've been, whatever you've gone through, just your emotions, your heart, your mind, you've been through a nervous breakdown before, I'm going to just pray for wholeness to come to you. One thing that God does, He just doesn't heal the body, but He works with the mind, heart, and the emotions. So, Lord, I pray today for those that have brokenness in their heart. Lord, you've known the heartache. You've known tears. Lord, you've known just the despair. Lord, that they, they just feel broken on the inside. And Lord, I pray a restorative healing to come. I pray for hope to emerge and arise. I pray for joy to come and the song of the Lord to be upon their lips. And I pray that brokenness, Lord, would be healed this morning in their heart, Lord. You're touching the deepest places of their heart and their soul and mind. And Lord, I pray, I pray, God, that you would heal that brokenness today. A song of joy, the declaration of the goodness of God. Lord, I pray over that this morning. I pray over that this morning. Let's sing Sunday's coming again. Come on, let's sing. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Make that a declaration this morning. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.